Let's stand to our feet and take our Bibles in our hands. Come on, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. And I believe it. I will not be conformed to the image of this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Today, another step toward God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for my life. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Well, listen, today we're starting a brand new series called The Best Way to Live. And so listen, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, or maybe it's been a while since you've been to church, we're not here to beat you up and make you feel bad. We're just here to say, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here, and we want you to come back. Amen. And so we invite you to come back next week and be a part of this brand new series that we're starting today called The Best Way to Live. One of the foundational verses of our entire ministry is John 10.10. And in John 10.10, in that verse, Jesus gives the reason why he came to this earth, why he died, why he rose again victoriously over death, hell, and the grave. What this thing called Christianity is really all about. He says this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The message translation puts it this way. He says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. How many know that's the greatest news in the world? And you know what? Everyone that was standing around or, or, or sitting when Jesus was teaching and instructing and giving these words, how many know everyone uh, he was speaking to was obviously alive? They were living and breathing, right? I mean, he wasn't in the grave when he was teaching this, right? Okay, amen? I mean, he was talking to people who were walking, standing, living, breathing human beings. So obviously when he said he came to give life, what he was saying was the life you're currently living is nothing compared to what I have in store for you. The life you're currently living apart from me is nothing compared to what I have in store for you. In fact, the very word life that Jesus uses is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. And it literally means the God kind of life. Or the life God wants you to have. So, in essence, Jesus was saying, hey, I've come to give you the God kind of life. I've come to give you the kind of life that God really desires for you to have. Amen? So, there's a life that God wants all of us to experience. There is a way of living that he has specifically picked out, not just for Americans, not just for Puerto Ricans, not just for Russians, not just for the Chinese, not just for Japanese, but for the whole world. There is a specific way. There is a specific life that God has picked out that he has chosen for each of us to enjoy. Ephesians 3.20, I'm I'm sorry, rather, Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way. It says, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. The literal Greek there is the word masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. In other words, God don't make no junk. Talk to me, somebody. You are his masterpiece. huh? That's why Jesus, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery, And they were getting ready to stone her. 
And she felt worthless. She was just a pawn in the religious leader's schemes. She was taken advantage of by another man again. And then she was cast out naked and ashamed in front of the Messiah. And all this was done just to prove a point and to justify their hatred. And Jesus stooped down and he wrote something in the ground. And one by one, the accusers dropped their rocks and began to walk away. And Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're nowhere. She goes, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And he, he reestablished her worth and her value and her dignity. Listen, even in the midst of her sin, she was caught. She was guilty. Although it was a setup, she was guilty. She was caught in the very act of adultery. But even in that state, the Son of God had compassion. And he loved her. And he cared about her. And he reestablished her worth and her value. Maybe you're here this morning and you think you've gone too far. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know what? I've been a Christian. I've known better. Come on, you ever struggle with that one? Sometimes condemnation is even worse as a believer because we beat ourselves up with the reality that we knew better. We knew the truth and we did it anyway. And I'm here to tell you, you are his masterpiece. I'm here to tell you, you are his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. He loves you. He values you. And you're still worth the death of the Son of God. Hmm? So we're his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living, get this, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So God has a way of living that he has specifically picked out, that he has chosen for each of us to enjoy. And it's the good life that he has prearranged and made ready for each and every one of us to live. Amen? See, everything written in this Bible, everything contained in this book, this, this isn't a bunch of rules and duties and regulations that are meant to lay some heavy burden or guilt trip on your shoulders. No, everything that God has written in his word, all the rules and the principles that govern life that God has laid out in his word, everything he says to do and don't do, he laid them out plainly and clearly so that we could discover the best way to live. Amen? So that we could live life at the highest level possible in our marriage, in our health, in our finances, in our relationship, in every realm of our life. All these things were recorded so that we could know the best way to live. And listen, that's what the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. That is how the resurrection still impacts our lives today in the 21st century. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says, Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. 
that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Listen, if we could figure this thing out, if we, if we were so smart, if we had all the, I don't care, it doesn't matter about all the technological advancements we may make, or all the discoveries we may encounter. If we could do this thing, if we could live life at the highest level on our own, God wouldn't have had to send the Son of God. And so the first step to living the best life ever is number one, you got to recognize that you need Him. The first step to discovering the best way to live is you got to recognize that you need Him. See, it's a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Oh, you can try to do it on your own. But I'm here to tell you, there's a far better life than you'll ever discover on your own. So you got to recognize that you need Him. And then number two, once you recognize that you need Him, you got to take the next step. you got to receive Him. You have to receive Him as your Lord and as your Savior. In John 1.12, it says, To all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. Now, how many have ever heard speeches, whether it's, it can be a politician, it could be at the Grammy Awards, it could be a, a, a celebrity, a singer, a rapper, but they get up and they say something like, you know, hey, we're all God's children. How many have heard that? Come on, how many have heard people say that? Lift your hand up high. Come on, let, let, I'm not, everyone's heard that, right? And listen, I understand what they mean. How many mean, how many know we're all created in the image and likeness of God? Right? We're all God's creation. But I'm here to tell you, we're not all God's children. Only those who have received Him. It says, to many as received Him. To them He gave the right to become children of God. Now we're all created in His image. We're all created in His likeness. And He loves us all. But you don't become His child. Listen, we're all... Created in his image, but to become his child, you got to be recreated. You got to be born again by receiving Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Amen. So, God did what we could never do. He paid the price for your sin and mine, and he died on that cross, and he rose victoriously three days later over death, hell, and the grave. And so now it's our move, it's your move. He provided atonement. Now we have to accept that payment. Amen? He was beaten and battered and bruised. Now it's our turn. We just simply got to believe. He was crucified on a cross between two thieves. Now it's our turn. We just need to confess him as Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen? That's where it all begins. But that's not where it ends. How many are glad God has so much more in store for us? Ephesians 3.20 says, He is able to carry out His purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. The message says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. But here's the key. We have to cooperate with his plan. 
Remember, there's God's part and our part. So we have to cooperate with his plan for our lives. Amen? In Galatians chapter 3, go ahead and open your Bibles there. It's also up on the screen. God has laid down in his word, and this really sums it up. Galatians chapter 3 really defines the best way to live. In verse 13 of Galatians 3, it says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember what the scripture says? That says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is cleared and we can see that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise. Say the promise. promise. We might receive the promise. Now here's how the promise is defined. The promise is defined as this, that God has spoken his will for all of our lives and we will have in our lives future blessing and enjoyment of God's favor. Come on, talk to me somebody. That is the promise for your life. This is the best way to live. So from God's perspective, looking out over your life, there are future blessings. So many of us, when it comes to the future, we're apprehensive. Gas prices are going up. Stock market going down. Hmm? We're, 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 yeah. How many saw the movie 2012? Come on, lift your hand. It's okay. As long as you don't base your theology on Hollywood. Okay? I, it, I mean, there was a tornado. We had a tornado, tornado warning last night. It could be the end. You know what? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. And I know that I have been blessed and I have received the promise, which means that what does my future hold? My future has future blessings and the enjoyment of God's favor. Amen? And so does yours. Amen? It goes on to say in verse 16, And verse 29 of Galatians 3, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now remember we said the promise a while ago. The promise, singular. But now we're talking about promises, plural. So there's another set of promises here. And it says, He does not say into seeds as to many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed And heirs according to the promise. So we have the promise, which is the promise of future blessings and the enjoyment of God's favor. And then we have a second set of promises right there that were given to Abraham that we received because we're in Christ. And they're all spelled out in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. But I want to highlight the main one in verse 2 that says this. God says this, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I don't know about you, but I, man, I, I think we ought to die trying to be famous for being a blessing to people. huh? I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Now, here's what it means that God has blessed us. You ready? It means I'll cause your life to go forward. Come on, how many ever feel stuck? 
stuck in your marriage, stuck in your finances, stuck in your career. We talked about how to get unstuck in a series at the beginning of the year. So we all get stuck or feel stuck from time to time. But God's blessing, with his blessing on our lives, it says, I'll cause your life to go forward. I will go ahead of you and I'll prepare the way. That's good, isn't it? Hmm? I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. Now, here's what it means to be a blessing. It means God is going to empower you to help other people's lives to go forward and to make their lives better. Here's the second definition of being a blessing. It also means you will be an instrument of divine favor and a preventer of misfortune. That's good, isn't it? You will be an instrument of divine favor and a preventer of misfortune. And listen, when you really think about the life of Christ when he walked the earth, isn't that how he lived? Huh? He lifted people. He raised the dead. He cleansed the leper. He opened blind eyes. He, he loosed the tongue of the mute. He opened the ears of the deaf. He raised the dead. He forgave the harlot and the tax collector. He lifted people's lives. He prevented them from further misfortune. He, he came and, 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 and displayed the favor of the Father upon their lives. Hmm? Acts 10.38 really sums it up. It says how Jesus went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. And he was able to do this all because God was with him. So he went to the, throughout the country and he helped people and he healed people. And now he has shown us, you know what? That's the best way to live. So instead of worrying about being blessed, we need to realize that because we're in Christ Jesus, we have received the fullness of the blessing. It is already ours. I said it is already ours. So we don't need to worry about being blessed what we need to go about, the best way to live now is to go about like Jesus and do good and help people and heal people. And just let's be consumed with how can we be a blessing to others. So I want to share with you how you can do that. How you can tap into this best way to live and be a blessing to others. Now listen, John chapter 4. When we do this, this really is the most fulfilling, satisfying way to live. You remember in John chapter 4. Jesus, the disciples went ahead. They were running out of food. So they went up to a village ahead to get food, to buy for the ministry. And Jesus stayed behind in John chapter 4, and he ministered to a woman, a Samaritan woman of all people. And uh, he ministers to her. She ends up getting saved, going back to tell the whole city about all that Jesus had done, about his love and his grace and his mercy. The disciples come back, and we pick it up in verse 31 of John 4. And it says, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. In other words, the most satisfying, fulfilling thing in life is when we tap into God's will for our lives. When we finish the assignment he's given us. And I'm here to tell you that part of our assignment, church, is simply this. We've been blessed. I said we've been blessed. And now our assignment 
is to be a blessing to others, is to be an instrument of God's divine favor and a preventer of misfortune in other people's lives. So I want to give you four quick steps on how you can do that. Amen? The best way to live. Here's how. Number one, you've got to take responsibility. They all start with R so you can remember them. Take responsibility for your life. See, when you change, your circumstances will change. We can't blame the government. Well, the government, well, they would just give more grant money. No, we can't blame the government. We can't blame the Democrats. We can't blame the Republicans. We can't blame our mama. We can't blame, I mean, you can, but it won't do any good. <laughs> can't blame your daddy. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your kids. You can't blame any of that. We have to take responsibility, amen? Huh? And when, when you change, your circumstances will change. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So what's in your heart? So what kind of treasure do you have in your heart? Hey, I, I, I just want to get mine, and I just want to be blessed. No, you need to get established in your heart. You're already blessed. So let's move forward, and let's just be a blessing. Let's be instruments of God's divine favor. Let's be preventers of misfortune. In the lives of other people. Number two. Rethink. Rethink. Quit, think, quit thinking just what's in it for me. And start thinking how you can be a blessing to somebody else. How you can be a blessing to your family. Your friends. Your church. Your community. Your neighborhood. Huh? Romans 12.2 says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Number three, you've got to reject fearful, selfish, and carnal thoughts that try to hold you back. See, there's only really only two things that keep us back from living this blessed-to-be-a-blessing kind of life. Fear and selfishness. That's it. Fear. We're afraid our needs won't be met. We're afraid. Uh, I don't know how that works. It's fear and selfishness. So we got to reject those thoughts from trying to come back and hold us back. Capture and make every thought obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 says we use our powerful God tools right here. Our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. God fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. And then lastly, last point, I want to encourage you to renew. Specifically, renew your relationship with the church. And again, I'm not here to beat you up. If you haven't been to church in a while, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to tell you thank you for coming today. We are so honored that you're here and you are welcome here at CFC. And we started this brand new series and we want you to come back. We'd love for you to be a part of the, of the rest of this series. But I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to renew your relationship with the church. You see, God blesses a lot of things. He blesses ministries and He blesses outreaches and He blesses a lot of things. But you know what? He only builds one. He's only building one thing and He's building the church. And he said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And the church is God's greatest force for good in the earth. Huh? And see, so when you connect, and so you need to be connected to that. You need to be plugged into a local church. Not just, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just part of the, I'm just part of the church. 
No, I understand that. We all are, as believers, part of the universal church, right? But you know what? God has local expressions of his body called local churches. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you discover your gifts and your talents and your abilities and you begin to utilize them for the kingdom of God. And so I want to challenge you to renew your relationship with the church. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. So we need each other. And church, we need you. We need you. We need you here. We need you connected. We need the things that God has deposited on the inside of you so that we can be a blessing and impact this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you this morning. And listen, when we live this way, this blessed to be a blessing, we truly discover.